And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me today is the Reverend Rick Anderson. He is an associate pastor at Stratford Presbyterian Church. He's also involved with the Chaim ministry to the Jewish people. Uh, Rick, it's an honor to have you on with us today. And Rick, uh, are you the head of that ministry or does somebody else head it up? Thank you, Dan. Actually, the head of Chaim is Reverend Fred Klett. I'm the senior missionary. Uh, he's the founder and director, but um, we work very closely together. Yeah. We've been together for about 20 years. Well, I've known of you for some time, and I think I'm on your email list, Rick, and uh, you have a heart for winning people to the Lord, particularly talking with Jewish people and other folks who, from various walks of life, uh, need to hear the good news of the Lord. Um, maybe you can give us a quick uh, background of yourself. How, how was it that the Lord brought you to himself? Dan, it was with, uh, interesting, it was with uh, Isaiah chapter 53, actually. Um, this was an occasion where I, well, I was raised Jewish. I came from uh, the middle branch of Judaism, which is called the conservative branch. There's Orthodox, conservative, and uh, a branch called the Reform Judaism, which is actually liberal um, Judaism. So I, I came from a generally religious background, and I was always taught that um, Jesus was not for us, that this, you know, if you believe in Jesus, you're a Christian. If you don't believe in him, and, well, Jews don't believe in him. So obviously that's that's what most people understand. Mm-hmm. But I was attending college, Muhlenberg College in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and I remember that there was a controversy on campus at Muhlenberg. This was the this was the year that actually uh, Billy Joel was uh, doing the college campus circuit, and it was 1975, and he was singing uh, um, "Living Here in Allentown," uh, that popular song by Billy Joel, and he was in Allentown at Muhlenberg College when he was singing it. And at the same time, the uh, Christian Students Union had invited some uh, Messianic Jews to appear on campus. And actually, it was Martin and David Chernoff uh, of Beth Yeshua, and uh, I believe, um, I forget which one was the father and which one was the, the son, but uh, Beth Yeshua is still in existence in Philadelphia. And uh, Martin and David Chernoff were invited on campus, and I was uh, a member of the Jewish Students' Union, and the Christian Students' Union had invited these Messianic Jews, and I remember the, the president of the Jewish Students' Union telling us, and I'll be careful when these... Um, these people come on campus because uh, they're going to try and tell us that our, our prophet Isaiah, in our part of the Bible, uh, spoke about Jesus. So watch out for this. This is a tactic that these missionaries will always use. And, of course, I never really gave it much consideration. But um, nonetheless, I never read Isaiah chapter 53, so I read it. <laughs> because the president of the Students' Union said, uh, watch out for it, you know. So I read it, and I'm thinking, hmm, you know, it does sound a lot like Jesus. Of course, Jewish people believe that their scriptures go up to the prophet Malachi, and they stop right there and don't go into the New Testament. They think that's not their book. So I read it, and I thought, well, you know, it sounds like Jesus. Possibly it is. But at the same time, 
You know, I was uh, searching in my life for reality, as a lot of college students are, are were doing, and I knew some Christians on campus, and I, and even though I really didn't believe in God, I saw that these Christians, they, you know, when they had problems, they had someone to pray to, and they had a, a lot of confidence that when they uh, prayed, they would get their prayers answered, and um, I admired them for that, and uh, so I read Isaiah 53, and I had an experience with with God. I mean, I felt the presence of God showing me in, in ways that are hard to explain, really, uh, but showing me that basically, basically the Jews missed it with the Messiah, and this was, this was, in fact, Jesus. And it was more than just an intellectual decision. Um, it was a spiritual awakening. And I felt the presence of God, and uh, it changed my life, and um, and that's how it happened, and that's the short version. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Um, so Isaiah 53 is what the Lord used his word, basically, to draw you to himself, to the to the Christian faith. Dan, let me interject for a second here. Um I didn't really believe the Bible was the Word of God. I think most Jews don't believe that, that the Bible's God's Word, but, you know, most of them understand that everything from Genesis to Malachi is either their holy legends or, you know, things that were written by uh, Jews, and, you know, they, they don't take it all literally and verbatim, but, and I didn't either. I didn't believe it was necessarily God's word. I just thought it was, you know, the sages of the past wrote this stuff one way or another, and you take it with a grain of salt. But when I read Isaiah 53, I could see, you know, this uh, this obviously was Jesus of Nazareth. And then the other theologies, they, the other theologies came to play later on. So that's the thing I wanted to add to that, Dan. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really helpful, Rick. So, um, this time of year, we are coming up to uh, Passover, what's known as Passover. Uh, I believe it's still celebrated by our Jewish friends. With your background, you must have a, a, a great familiarity with Passover, and I, I believe you also do some like illustrations where you have Scripture memorized and you kind of bring it to life with the dressing up and the clothing of the time and that sort of thing. So... Um, that may tie in here also. Can you talk to us a little bit about Passover? What is it? Yeah, sure. Well, um, I should say, Dan, I'm a member of uh, Chaim Ministry to the Jewish People that's been in existence over 20 years. So one of the things that Reverend Fred Klett and I do is we do um, Christ in the Passover presentations during the uh, the Easter Passover season, and we also do full you know, sit-down meals, the seders. So that's probably what you're referring to. I don't really get uh, dressed up for that, but um, on occasion, however, we Fred and I wear the traditional um, white kittel, mm-hmm. which is what Orthodox will use when they officiate a Passover. So in that sense, we do get dressed up, but uh, you know, I haven't worn one of them for a long time. But anyway, Fred wears more. Uh, he he puts on the uh, the white kittel when mm-hmm. when he does. That's K I T T E L, I believe when he does uh, Passover services. So we'll both be doing them during this uh, Passover season. Yeah, anyway, I did celebrate Passover um, 
with my family as a child. And uh, during this time, Jews will have their traditional sit-down meal, and they'll remember, you know, the exodus from Egypt, and they'll eat the ceremonial foods, and they'll go through, uh, in essence, a Passover liturgy. And what this is is a teaching meal. And uh, they don't just sit down and they, they have supper. They have a, a teaching meal, much like the Last Supper was at the time of Christ. I mean, when Christians hear about the Last Supper, sometimes they don't make the connection that this wasn't simply, they didn't, you know, Christ and the Apostles didn't just sit down and have a meal. This was a, a, a liturgy, and this was a formalized meal that commemorated the Exodus from Egypt, and then what Jesus, as Master of the Feast, would do, would he would relate these events to what he was about to, to become. In essence, he was about to become the Passover lamb, the final lamb that would take away the sins of the world. As John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And he was referring to Jesus and his role as the final Passover lamb. But when Jews celebrate Passover today, this is not, this is not the biblical Passover. Um, this is a, um, well, of course, they can't use lambs anymore. This is a more a, a, uh, a remembrance of what happened in the past. So uh, a biblical Passover, uh, as prescribed in the Bible, is not what the Jews have today. They, they do more a commemoration. So, Rick, in the, um, the record of right preceding the Exodus, there's the last plague, the death of the firstborn. And right. um, the Jews would be spared that, and yet they had to do something. And the meaning of Passover is tied to that thing that they had to do. Can you describe that for our listeners? Yeah, what they what they were told to do in Exodus was to take an, uh, a perfect uh, young lamb and to kill it, and then to take its blood and to sprinkle the blood on the lintels and the doorposts of their homes. And what this would do is that that would spare them death in their homes, because what God did was he sent uh, the angel of death over the land of Egypt to, to kill the firstborn. This was supposed to be the worst of the plagues, and it was the occasion by which uh, the pharaoh of Egypt uh, ejected them. He ordered them all to leave, which is what they wanted to do. <laughs> uh, so that's what happened. And of course, in the New Testament, it relates that event to the sacrifice of Christ, uh, of God's one and only Son, Jesus. And it heavily relates that event to what Christ has done to spare all who are covered by his blood death. And this is the emphasis continuously that the Apostle Paul makes and um, even that Jesus and John the Baptist makes, and it's, it's the, 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 probably the strongest recurring theme in the New Testament. I've often thought about how very bloody things were with the Passover as well as other animal sacrifices. It was, there was a lot of blood being shed, and yet, as I think about it, um, now that Christ has come, uh, there was a terribly bloody sacrifice of him being sacrificed for us on the cross. The blood wasn't done away with, but it was a final bloody sacrifice in terms of our Savior. 
Tell us a little bit more, Rick. Um, Today we're talking with Reverend Rick Anderson. When Christ comes, with respect to these Old Testament ceremonial laws, what kind of a change takes place? Paul writing by St. Paul writing by the Holy Spirit spoke of uh, this the the law of Moses. He said it was our pedagogos. That's that that is our pedagogos. Our schoolmaster, our tutor to bring us to Christ, uh, Galatians 3.13, so that once we're brought to him, uh, we're no longer under this this tutor. The law was given according to, uh, to the New Testament because of the sinfulness of the Jewish people and the need to drive home the fact that they were unworthy in and of themselves. And it gave all these rules and regulations to take their innate rebellion and make it all the more trenchant, all the more emphatic to them. In other words, in an attempt to keep the law, they found they they were not able to keep the law. And they had two options. Number one, they could then attempt to depend upon the law as their justification. In other words, give it a good try, and God will count that as if you had done it perfectly. They could either take that option, or the other option was to was to say, I can't keep this. There must be something wrong with me, because this law of Moses is perfect. And that option, too, was the option they were supposed to take, and some of them did, but it was a minority. However, non-Jews and Jews today, um, the question then arose in the early church, well, now that we have come to Christ, are we still obligated to obey this law of Moses? And the New Testament teaches, no, no, we're not. That was a temporary guide to bring us to Christ. Now, there is one who had to obey it, and that is Jesus. And he perfectly kept the entire law of Moses. And when we believe in him, what we're doing is not only do we benefit by his his, as the Reformers called it, his passive obedience, that is, his death on the cross, but his active obedience. In other words, God counts his perfect law-keeping, Christ's perfect law-keeping, as if it was ours. This is the whole emphasis of the text that brought me to faith in Christ, which is Isaiah 53. He was our, and is our righteousness. And God counts his law-keeping as if it was ours. Now today we're the moral law of, of the Ten Commandments and 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 these kinds of things. We're told to keep it as because of our faith in Christ, but not as a way of earning a righteousness that only Christ could have achieved for us. Sure. Does that help that explanation? Oh yeah, sure. It must have been difficult. I'm thinking for those early Christians. Some of them were Jews. Some of them were Greek. But particularly the Jews who did receive Christ, they're so used to these, in particular, the ceremonial laws that are fulfilled in Christ. I can see why, why the need for a book of Galatians. You, I think, have been studying the book of Galatians for some time. You teach it. There was a lot of, um, if I correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a lot of legalism going on in that day that Paul sought to correct in the writing of this book? Yeah, um, as a matter of fact, I actually 
do the book of Galatians. I'm, I'm, uh, I do a scripture dramatization of Galatians. I'm doing one at, at New Life Christian Reformed Church in the Midwest, actually, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Galatians addresses this uh, very concern, uh, and this is a problem that happens throughout churches today, is once we uh, were justified by faith in Christ, and once we believe on Him, what happens is, um, a lot of times what creeps into the Church is, is legalism, meaning now that we believe in Christ, here are a list of do's and don'ts that you have to do uh, in order to uh, stay saved, stay justified. The Galatians had this problem. In the Messianic Jewish movement, there is this problem, as well as in regular churches of, 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 that are populated by Gentiles. It's, it's not exclusive to one or the other. But the problem is, uh, I'll give you an example. Okay, I believe in Jesus, but now God will really love me even more if I uh, regularly attend Sunday school, or if I uh, if I uh, regularly serve on the deacons committee. I'm really getting brownie points with God, or if I, um, you know, even one Fred and I, when we do evangelism, I mean, we talk to people on the on the street corner, or we talk to them in the mall, and we'll ask them a question. Fred is more. He's more conversational about it than I am, but I ask him a formulaic question, and I'll say, and I just get this from Evangelism Explosion. Most uh, of your listening listeners have he- heard of Evangelism Explosion. It was uh, it was uh, popularized, and I believe it, the founder of it was uh, Dr. D. James Kennedy of the PCA. But uh, he says, um, when you ask people about their faith, ask this question because it'll get to the heart of the matter. Have you come to the place in your spiritual life? where you know for certain that if you died tonight that you would go to the good place and not the bad place. And then you, you wait for an answer, and then you ask, in essence, the same question all over again. In other words, Frank or Mary or whoever, if you stood before God and he say to you, on what basis, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say to him? And most of the answers that we get are, I'm a good person and I try my best. And that's the wrong answer. And that what that does is it gets to the heart of why people believe that they merit uh, the mercy of God or why they'll go to the good place. And that is my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. I try my best. And what this is basically is a, an abbreviated version of what the Galatian heresy was. And that is, you know, you believe in Jesus, but you have to do your part. And if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, and if you're generally a good person, you're in. Wrong answer. And the Galatians had this problem in a more formulaic way. They had it in a more detailed way. They were taught that you have to keep the old Jewish law. In essence, you have to be circumcised as a Jew and keep and, and, and do other series of do's and don'ts, or else you, you can't go to heaven. And mm. Paul was angry about it. He was very emphatic about this, and Galatians is one of the most, in fact, it is the most confrontational of all the letters that he wrote, all the epistles. And of course, when I say he wrote it, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write it. And you see his, his, his anger in that. And he's not, he's not so much angry at the Galatians. He's angry at those who are teaching the Galatians. And this is legalism. And this, is, this runs rampant throughout not only uh, churches today, 
but it's also in the Messianic Jewish movement. Now, and let me say something about the Messianic Jewish movement. Uh, it is wrong to classify all the Messianic synagogues and Messianic churches in one lump sum, because what we have is an entire spectrum of beliefs. And it goes all the way from uh, churches, that, from Messianic synagogues that are de facto churches. I mean, they're legitimate churches. They just have a Jewish emphasis to them. But it goes all the way from that end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum, which is just rank legalism, um, the Galatian heresy. So when someone says, I'm Messianic Jewish, you have to ask them what actually they do believe. And it runs the whole spectrum, like like churches today, which just general, you know, Gentile churches. Um, certain churches are are just legalistic; they're worth leaving. Other churches are are not so legalistic. But the problem is, is the the war between legalism and just salvation by faith alone, mm-hmm. by grace alone, etc. You know, the distinctives of the reformers. Yeah, yeah, that's very helpful. Um, we've got maybe two minutes left. I, this is such an important theme that's come out here that uh, as a Christian, we we trust fully in the finished work of Christ, and there's absolutely nothing that we can add to increase our righteousness, but God in Christ has justified us, and he's placed Christ's righteousness uh, to our account, as it were. And uh, it reminds me of that old uh, saying that nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And, um, you know, if, if people read, let's say, the book of Galatians, and for whatever reason, maybe they got trapped into some legalism, and they start feeling uncomfortable about some of the things they read, well, that's a good thing. You know, perhaps the Lord is speaking to your heart, and there's some baggage that somehow we've picked up the, along the way, and we need to uh, trust in Christ more fully. Um, if someone wants to learn more about the ministry that you're involved in, Rick, uh, where could they go to uh, to read about it? We have a website that uh, needs a little revision, but it's still, you know, it's content-rich, <laughs> but uh, we need to upgrade it. It's... Uh, Chaim.org, C-H-A-I-M dot O-R-G. Okay, got it. C-H-A-I-M dot O-R-G. Uh, there's another website called uh, scriptsdramatized.com, and that's my more personal website. They can certainly go to that and get the get uh, similar information. Um, so either one will work. Okay, good. Well, thank you very much. Today our guest has been Rick Anderson, He is an ordained minister of the gospel, uh, associate pastor at Stratford Presbyterian Church. He works in the Kayam ministry to the Jewish people. And how do you properly pronounce that name, Rick? Uh, Just pretend you're Scottish. Well, I'm not Scottish, so I don't know. Okay, um, that that lake in Scotland, Loch Ness, Mm -hmm. or Loch Laman, or any of those lochs up there in Scotland. That's how you sing that. So <laughs> it's I am. That's very. In order to pronounce this this Jewish name, just pretend you're Scottish and you'll get it right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much, Rick Anderson. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. You got it. Thank you.
And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.